What is up? What is up, guys, man? Welcome to my show, Barbara Boxing. Once again, I am your host, Jeff, man. And this is my Monday recap and reaction to the fights over the weekend, man. We had two major, big, major cards on this weekend, man. The Zone hosting one with the 140-pound super lightweight division championship WBC belt on the line between Devin Haney and Regis Prograde. And then over on ESPN top rank, you had Robisi Ramirez going up against Espinosa, man. Uh, and that fight right there was a hell of a fight, man. Possibly the fight of the year. But I'm going to jump right into it, guys. Not waste any time, man. We're going to go over the first card. We're going to talk about the, the zone card, man. And, of course, we're going to talk about the main event on that card. Devin Haney versus Regis Prograde, man. This was a very anticipated fight. A few people were calling an upset, saying that Regis was going to pull an upset. I told you guys, I did not see that happening, man. Devin Haney is on a whole another level right now uh i told you before in my last podcast man this guy is absolutely the most complete fighter in boxing right up there with crawford uh guys like tank man he is in the elite group no doubt about it man he put on an absolute clinic on regis prograde uh showed a little bit of power too man and that was a big question coming into the 140 weight because devin did not showcase power at the 135 so Everybody was asking, man, was he going to be able to come in here at 140 and bring a little bit of power with him? Because if not, how is he going to compete at the super lightweight division with no power? I'll tell you how he's going to compete. He's just going to outbox you, plain and simple, man. One of the best things I've seen him doing all night is he kept pulling off that pivot uh, that I'm pretty sure he picked up from the Loma fight. I think he learned a lot from that, and I think he kind of stole that from Loma. But regardless, it's a part of boxing, man. What you're doing out there is, is technique, and uh, to pull that pivot off the way he was doing it, getting behind Regis, uh, making Regis look bad, man, all the way around. Uh, I said Regis, I thought, was a declining fighter at this point, 34 years old, and I think his best days were behind him. Going up against a young elite fighter like Devin Haney was by far his toughest test outside of Josh Taylor, who he also lost to. But outside of that, Devin Haney was by far his toughest test, man, and he just seemed to come up majorly short. Uh, he never gave up. Uh, I mean, he went out there and he fought his best. But like I said, guys, the one thing he didn't need to do was he kept letting Devin bring that fight back to the middle of the ring uh, to where Devin was just boxing him, outboxing him the whole time. Uh, he obviously showed he wasn't on Devin's level when it came, comes to the boxing technique and talent that Devin Haney has. Uh, another thing that I saw was when he was backing Devin down, Devin looked really great doing the step back and countering Regis where he caught him one time, I want to say second or third round of knocking Regis down with a beautiful counter that he caught him with. But it's it's simple as this, guys. Devin Haney at the 140, super lightweight. He unified the 135 division. He's come up his very first fight at 140, grabbed the WBC title there, uh, to now, you know, a lot of questions with Devin. Where does he go from here? Uh, we'll answer a few of those down the road. But like I said, Devin just absolutely dominated that fight. He got a unanimous decision, uh, 120 to 107, 120 to 107, 120 to 107 on all three cards, guys. Just, I mean, there was no doubt what we watched. Uh, we watched absolute talent, absolute skill. I heard somebody saying it was a boring fight. It was absolutely, if you know boxing, this was not a boring fight. Anybody saying this was a boring fight, sorry, stop watching boxing. You don't deserve to watch it. We watched the clinic. We watched one of the most elite talents in boxing 
put on one of the best performances we've seen in a really long time right next to Crawford with another great fighter that he was fighting, a tough guy in Regis Prograde. He's no stepping stone, guys. Uh, he has power. And Devin was really smart. Every, the couple times that Devin did have him hurt, he wasn't rushing in because he, I think he knew that's what Regis wanted him to do, rush in, and then Regis would try to catch him with a big punch. So he wasn't going to get in a punching battle with Regis very smart. Like I said, man, the kid's got a great boxing IQ, one of the best in the game, man. So there's no doubt about it. Devin Haney at the 140 position has made his mark, and he's cemented his name already as one of the top contenders in that division, hands down, man. Had a couple good fights that he could possibly take, man, and I'll talk about that in my daily poll question that I'm going to ask you guys later on, man. We'll get more into that. But on the undercard of that, man, uh, there were some really good uh, fights on there, man. You, we saw there was two big upsets. Uh, I won't call them big, big upsets. I don't think the Montana Love was such a big upset, but the Bridges fight was definitely an upset. Uh, <clears throat> on the undercard, we saw Paro defeat Montana Love with a six-round TKO. He didn't just beat him, guys. He he knocked him out. Uh, and this is uh, Montana Love's second straight loss, pretty much. He got disqualified in the Stevie Sparks fight where he dumped Stevie over the ring. So, I mean, the question is, is where does Montana Love go from here? And then Paro in the uh, lightweight division, or actually I think, yeah, Paro's in the super lightweight division. Where does he add up here? Who could he possibly fight in the super lightweight division? You know, I think there's a couple guys you could try to match him up against. Tiger Johnson over on ESPN I think could be a good matchup for him. Both of them on the upcoming. Paro seems to have some really good power. Another great fighter out of Australia, man. Australia seems to have a great line of fighters down uh, down under at this point, man. Very impressed with what we're seeing coming out of Australia, especially the last three or four years, man. They have really put some names out there, uh, and they put tough fighters out there, man. So hats off to Paro with a great win over Love getting his name out there in the super lightweight division. I don't know where he stands in that. There's so much talent uh, that I'd have to put him down at the bottom as guys that are going to get an opportunity at big names. I don't see him getting a big-time opportunity. But you could match him up against a Hitchens. You could match him up against a Subaru Mateus, I think, uh, young up-and-coming names. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about Arthur Babosa. You know, I think his name should be put out there, put him up against a guy like that. That would be a great fight. But uh, hats off to Paro with a good win over Love. And then we had, uh, of course, Andy Cruz, guys, uh, defeated Strafon with a uh, TKO third round. Now, Strafon was a fill-in for this fight, I think, a 20-day notice for him. He didn't look that great out there. So it was hard for me to really judge Andy Cruz's victory. He dominated the guy like he should have, took him out in the third round. And uh, in that lightweight division, I think I'd love to see Andy Cruz faced up against Keyshawn Johnson or Keyshawn Davis, so not Johnson. Keyshawn Davis, I think, would be a good matchup. These guys fought a lot in the amateur division uh, with Cruz getting the better of Keyshawn, but Keyshawn has a bigger name at the professional level right now, and I think that would be a hell of a matchup, uh, putting him up, matching him up against Keyshawn uh, Davis in the near future in 2024, a fight that I would love to see happen at the lightweight. I'd have to say Cruz in the lightweight division, man, uh, He's probably under Cepeda. Put him in that top ten for sure. Uh, I think he's got all the talent. Uh, like I said, hard to judge him off a fight like this with the talent that he was fighting. The guy just wasn't up to par, wasn't on his level. So it's hard to uh, kind of, you know, judge that. But we had another fill-in also, man. We had another upset 
on this card. You had Yoshida defeat Ebony Bridges uh, in the Bannerweight division where she took the belt from Bridges and just absolutely dominated her all-fight. Bridges has not not been in the ring for almost a year. She had some time off. So you could see the ring rust in her. She wasn't out there fighting as agile as she usually is. Looks like she did put on a little bit of weight, in my opinion. Uh, that might have slowed her down. She wasn't as fast and as agile and didn't look as good as she has in her previous fights. And uh, Yoshida took advantage of that man and just absolutely came out on fire and took the unanimous decision in that and the belt in the uh, banterweight division. That was a heck of a fight, man. Uh, sucks for Bridges. I don't Bridges. I think can rebound from this, but I think I don't. You know, she's she's a smart girl, man. She's got a PhD. She's a teacher. So this may not be. Uh, her career, you know, as far as what she wants to do with her career, man. She might want to do a lot of things outside of the ring. And by what I saw, she did not seem like she had her heart into this fight. Didn't look like the old bridges that I had seen in the past that impressed me. That made me talk about her a lot. Uh, really slow. Never really got it going at all. Even later rounds, you would have thought she would have picked it up. She just never did and got dominated pretty much this entire fight. Uh, but... That was pretty much the zone card, man. That was uh, Haney over Prograde. I called Haney beating Prograde. See him as a better fighter. The 140 holds a lot for Haney. I think he's in the top spot up there with Teo uh, in that division, man, and uh, a matchup I'd definitely like to see down the road those two guys match up. But I'm, in my qu uh, poll question, I'm going to ask you guys who you think his next opponent should be, man. We'll get more into that. But while we're doing this, before we get on to the ESPN Plus card, man, let's give a shout-out to our sponsors of the show, Brown Family Construction. Guys, for any of your construction needs in the Northern Kentucky or Cincinnati area, reach out to Brown Family Construction, where you can find them on Facebook. Reach out to Jason Brown, who can take all your information and come out, uh, do some estimation for you guys. And they're, like I said, the name says it all, Brown Family Construction, where they treat you like family, guys. Uh, all right, man, on to another big fight that happened that night. And th both of these fights were going on at the same time, guys. I had my laptop set up one place. I had my TV right in front of me because these cards started at the exact same time. And pretty much each bout was at the exact same time. The main event happened. The co-main events were at the same time. The main events were landed both at the same time. So it was one of those, which one do you really want to watch the most? Um, because they were both great fights. You got to see Haney put on a just absolute clinic and one of the best fight, fights uh, that, that we've seen this year from a fighter, or performance, shall I say, not fight, but performance by a fighter this year. And then you had uh, Robisi Ramirez going up against a un, unknown guy in Espinosa, and I told you guys this guy was dangerous. Now, I claim I picked this upset, but I didn't really pick the upset. I said Espinosa is a dangerous fighter. This is being a second fight in the U.S. He's, a, he's He fights out of Mexico. We know those guys are always tough, man. Really, really tough fighters. But this fight possibly is my fight of the year. We saw uh, Espinosa and Robisi from the beginning of the rounds just going at it the entire fight. Uh, and at one point, it looked like Robisi Ramirez was about to go down. Like I said, I was going back and forth between both TVs, so I'm not 100% sure what round Robisi knocked Espinoza down when it looked like Espinoza was going to take the round. He was dominating Robisi Ramirez the entire round. I want to say the third or fourth round, and then Robisi landed a beautiful right that would knock knock most of the other competition out there. Most of the guys who fight, this, this 
punch from Robisi is going to take out 90% of the guys that he fights. Uh, Espinoza went down, was a little wobbly, got up in time for the A count, uh, and the bell, it kind of got saved by the bell, I think, any longer, and Robisi would have taken him out. But Espinoza showed a good chin, but he also showed dropping that hand and what can happen, man. He got caught big time, but he rebounded well, man. I thought after that that punch landed, I thought Robisi was going to go out and start dominating the fight. I didn't know how much Espinoza had recovered from the punch going into the uh, next round. And you could kind of see it in him. Robisi was kind of doing his thing. But then when it hit into the later rounds, Espinoza just came back and just absolutely dominated. 11th round was a hell of a round. 12th round, uh, you know, hold on. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it was 11th round, and then, uh, and then I think Robisi got knocked down again in the 11th round. Robisi Ramirez goes down, uh, and then Espinoza just dominated the whole 12th round, and I think that kind of gave him the end-all decision in this fight, man, that, that, that the later rounds for him, the early rounds and the later rounds, man, because uh, Robisi really only took a few of the rounds, in my opinion, uh, in this fight. But Espinoza, a great talent in this kid, man. This kid is, uh, I think, is going to be something special, guys, to watch for in the lightweight division. If I'm correct, that's what he is, uh, Ramirez and Espinoza, in the lightweight division. Not going to mark that 100% sure. But Espinoza reminded me a lot of uh, Sebastian Bandora, another big, tall, lengthy guy. Uh, Espinoza is about 6'1", and he keeps that jab well. He utilizes his jab well, and he also uses that uppercut to his advantage, that long, lengthy uppercut that he lands on you from a distance. And uh, he reminds me a lot of Pandora with that. His chin also reminds me of Pandora, guys, because he leaves it open a little too much, and he's young right now, and he could take that punch from Robisi, which is one of the best punches in boxer, one of the best punchers in boxing, uh, Robisi Ramirez is so taking that punch from him shows that he does somewhat have a chin but he can't go out there in other rounds and, and try to do that uh, most of his career because he's going to get caught at some point no doubt about it uh, I'd like to see him start using his length and his height to his advantage staying on the outside that's one thing Pandora messed up with in his career is that instead of using that 6-7 frame to his advantage and keeping that length and that distance, uh, he always tries to fight inside with guys, and that was a bad mistake against a guy like Brian Mendoza, who knocked him clean out trying to do that. And I think the same thing with Espinoza, man. If he does try to start banging with a lot of guys on the inside, that he could end up getting caught. Uh, but I do like what I saw from him. He is an unknown out of Mexico. This is the second fight in the U.S., and he came out, and he beat a guy like Robisi Ramirez. Trust me, he's going to be on people's lists in uh, 2024, 100% sure. The undercard on that, man, we got to see who I think is one of the best up-and-coming talents in boxing, uh, Xander Zayas. He defeated uh, Forte in a fight that I feel he just absolutely dominated. He knocked him down in the early rounds and then just continued to outbox him. I see this guy every single fight improving the way he does. Uh, super impressed with Xander. I love the corner that he has, the management that he has. They seem to be sending him in the right direction. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, at the super welterweight, uh, you know, in the super welterweight that that he's in, It's to me it's really tough because at 154 there's a lot of talent. I'd like to see him match up against a guy like Virgil Ortiz, 
uh, and work his way up that ladder. You know, if Crawford jumps up to 154 and Spence jumps up to 154, you got Charlo at 154, you got Tim Tzu at 154. I don't think he competes that he's ready for that type of level just yet of those guys. I'd like to see him uh, against a guy like uh, Ortiz, who I think would be a great matchup for him. Uh, Virgil Ortiz just moving to 154. He's been in and out of the ring with some health conditions. Uh, He's claimed it's always been the weight situation. So him at 154, Virgil is a really special talent. Uh, Be a very, very uh, dangerous match for Xander. But, man, you got to test this guy at some point. Uh, I feel like they're going to baby him for at least another year. I don't think we're going to see much from the, we're not going to see much from the talent level uh, step up for Xander. I don't think in 2024. Uh, top rank is known for kind of babying these guys, uh, you know, putting a lot of cab drivers in there. Now his last couple fights have been definitely step up talent for him, and he's showcased what he can do, and he looks better in each fight. So I'm big on Xander Zayas, but where he lands at 154, man, in a hell of a division, especially if Crawford and Spence move up, man, that's going to be probably the top division in boxing, in my opinion, with Crawford, Spence, Charlo, Tim Zizou, uh, you know, and I know I'm forgetting some guys up there. Virgil Ortiz is up there now, and I know there's guys I'm forgetting in that division. But those, that crop right there of those guys is going to make it a hell of a division at the Super uh, welterweight division at 154, but Zayas is definitely a good up-and-coming talent. Maybe it's not wrong to baby him a little bit more. I don't really say baby him. He should definitely take a little bit step up in talent in 2024, but like I said, I think a fight against a guy like Virgil Ortiz would be the best test for him at 154 to see what level he's really at because Virgil is a definite hell of a talent, man, uh, and I think he's going to showcase what he can do at 154, but that fight versus Sander... Zayas would just be a hell of a fight, guys, in my opinion. Uh, then we also got to see Shushu Carrington, baby. He defeated Sanchez with a second-round TKO, man, in that featherweight division. Uh, Shushu Carrington, man, I think is a hell of a talent, man. I really like what I see from Shushu. Uh, what can he do in the featherweight division? I don't think he's ready for an in away at this point. He was calling him out, but he doesn't want those problems, guys. He does not want those problems. He should just continue in the featherweight, moving his way up as a contender getting uh, a, a lot more fights under his belt a lot more before he wants to face a guy like Inouye, who we're going to see on December 26th uh, fight again on the ESPN card. But he doesn't want that. He doesn't want those problems, guys. Shushu Carrington is a hell of a talent. Uh, and I always wonder, you know, what he's going to do coming up when you got great talents like Cruz uh, and him and Carrington. Uh, two good young guys coming up. And I think they both have a lot to prove, but Shushu should probably show it, slow it down on who he's calling out. I really loved what he did in his last fight, but his talent levels with top rank, like I said, they kind of baby their guys a little bit. Uh, same thing when I, I watched Tiger Johnson also fight on that card. He defeated Espinosa in a split decision, and that was a tough fight. And Tiger did not look that great, guys. Uh, he wasn't all that great looking. And... uh Kind of took a step down for me because I've seen him. He has talent, trust me. Tiger Johnson is a heck of a talent, guys. And uh, but was not impressed. Espinoza was a great fight for him, a great test for him. And then uh, also on that undercard, we got to see Richard Torres defeat uh, Harper. And that to me, that was just a terrible fight, man. Um, I'm trying to think of Harper's first name, but this guy's just basically a punching bag. Every single time I see him on ESPN, he's getting cussed out by his uh, stepson 
And then on top of that, he's not impressed with Torres. Uh, Harper is one of those guys, man. Like I said, he's always in there. He's a, he's a human punching back. He doesn't throw any punches back. He's one of the most boring fighters to watch. Uh, yeah, he can take a beating, but what the hell does that? I guess you're you're getting paid to get your ass kicked, man. He is like I said, he is a human punching back, guys. Uh, this Harper guy, I don't want to see him in the ring again. I definitely don't want to see his son out there degrading his stepson, degrading him the way he does. I mean, come on, man. You're at the pro level. Get a guy in your corner that actually knows what he's doing. Because your son, your stepson just repeats the same stupid shit over and over, cussing you out, drops an F-bomb every other word. I mean, if my if my son talked to me that way, I'd smack the shit out of him, man. There ain't no way. I don't like seeing him on there, and I definitely don't like seeing his stepson on there, man. So hopefully we don't get to see that fight anymore, in my opinion. Harper out there anymore. He doesn't really deserve to be in the ring. He's just out there to get a payday. He doesn't return any any punches, and Torres did not look great in this fight. He wasn't able to take Harper out, and he should have been able to take Harper out a lot sooner than the eight rounds that he did it in. Uh, so I, to me, Richard Torres is a guy who ESPN top rank they're hyping this guy up but i'm not sold on him at the heavyweight division at all uh number one is size i think is going to be a major disadvantage to him down the road against bigger fighters uh and then as we saw against a guy like harper who can take the punches he wasn't able to knock harper out and he was hinting with some plus the punches that he was taking every other guy out in the first and second round uh weren't weren't they were not phasing harper he was taking those punches. So if a guy like Harper is able to take those punches, I can imagine some of the other top bigger fighters are going to be able to take those punches also. So Torres, I think, is an overhyped guy. Uh, you know, I think ESPN top rank wanting to be one of those guys. I just don't think he's going to be. Uh, he's like a rocky story, but I'm just not buying him. I agree with what. Uh, I agree with what. Uh, 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 what's his name? Can't think of his name, but I agree with what. The, the announcer said about him actually getting out of his realm that he needs to go. Uh, Tim Bradley, that's who it was. I agree with Tim Bradley saying that, hey, he needs to get out of his realm. He's in there with mom and dad and grandpa, and that's who's training him, and that's who he's in. A, so he's in a comfortable area. He needs to get out there. He needs to spar against tougher talent. Uh, and take more chances out there and get under new trainers to learn a few more things to put in his arsenal if he wants to compete at the heavyweight uh, position. But like I said, I don't see him as a top contender, man. I just don't. Uh, what I've seen from him in his last two or three fights, he's fought nothing but cab drivers. Once again in there with another cab driver, but he wasn't able to take him out. So Terry, you know, Torres, not, improved, not impressed with him, man. He's got a lot of work to do uh, for me to really kind of Give him in the credit. I think he's going to be anything in the heavyweight division. But, guys, man, my question for my poll of the day, man, my poll for the show uh, is, you know, Devin Haney, who should he fight next, guys? Should it be Ryan Garcia at 140, which would be a big money fight for him? And I just think he absolutely terrorizes Ryan Garcia. I don't think that's a good choice for Ryan, but I think it's a good choice for Devin if he wants to make a lot, a lot of money. Because Ryan brings a certain crowd with him. A lot of casuals. Uh, and then should he fight Teofimo Lopez. Who I think is the most dangerous guy at 140. And I don't know. 
Like, these guys have a great amateur background with each other. They fought a lot in the amateurs. They train together a lot. They're very close. Their families know each other uh, really, really well. So they, they're very acquainted with each other. I think that would be a great fight. I love the way Teo fights, his fluency, man, uh, how you know comfortable he is in the ring when he does get comfortable and how dangerous he can be. And I think he's got enough power that Devin would definitely fill Lopez's power. I would favor Lopez in that one. Or should he go out of the 140, or not out of the 140, should he go and take a, a catchweight fight with Tank Davis, which he said he's not willing to come down to 140. So the only thing that's going to happen there is Tank Davis is going to say, hey, do a rehydration clause. I couldn't get that damn word out for nothing. But a rehydration clause is what Tank's going to try to put on there. He did that with Barrios, and he did it with Ryan Garcia at the 140. He's willing to come up or meet you at a catch weight, but then he's going to want you to follow his stuff. And Devin's definitely not going to take a rehydration clause, man. He did everything to get out of that 135 division. He did everything to stay in the 135 that he needed to do to capture all the belts while draining his body and putting himself through things that he shouldn't have. So I don't think he's ever going to leave, go back down to 135 or do a catchweight fight with Tank Davis. But I'll put him on that list. Once again, guys, who should Devin Haney fight next? Should it be Ryan Garcia, Teofima Lopez, or should it be Tank Davis? At the end of the show, I'll do my poll when you guys leave your answer there, man. Uh, I think it should be Teofima Lopez. But for a money fight, Ryan Garcia, uh, for a, you know, Who's the top dog in this division? You got to go after Teofimo Lopez, in my opinion, man. On to a little bit of boxing news, man. We also heard Devin during his pre-presser talk about moving up in weight. I don't see that happening, man. Uh, I think that's BS, in my opinion. He just got to 140. There's too many fights at 140. Now, the only reason he would move up to 147 would be to fight Crawford. We all know that Crawford has to refight Spence at some point. That fight has to happen. So you're going to move to 140 and wait in limbo with everybody else up there uh, to figure out when Crawford's going to fight Spence next, which we know should be sometime next year, I would assume. But when next year, man? These guys, Crawford and Spence, fight like once a freaking year. So we'll get that fight maybe again next July. Uh, from these guys because they're once-a-year fighters. And uh, so why? I mean, Teofima Lopez, you know, everybody's calling out Crawford's name. But in my opinion, man, you're not going to wait around for that. What are you going to do? Wait and then, you know, miss out on big fights at 140, big money fights that he could be making against Ryan Garcia or Teofima Lopez or even a catchweight fight against Tank Davis that I don't see happening. But still, a better option than him waiting around for Crawford and the Spence fight to get done, and then to see if Crawford's even going to fight again that year. So if he fights once a year and he has to refight Spence, that means you're not going to be able to fight, possibly get him to even think about fighting you till 2025. So uh, too many... Too, Devin could fight twice next year in that amount of time. Uh, he could fight Garcia and Teofima Lopez in that amount of time. So don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be sitting there waiting in limbo, getting rusty, getting stagnated, because that's one thing I like about Devin Haney. He's a top fighter, and he doesn't fight once a year. He fights two times a year, almost three times a year. He fights the best competition out there, and you've got to give this guy credit for that. He doesn't duck anybody. If they want that fight, he'll take the fight, and especially now, I think he's got more confidence than he's ever had in his life. So he's willing to take any fight they put on the table and against anybody. And I don't think he would turn it down or he would be afraid or think he would lose that fight. He would be a favorite in a lot of those fights, in my opinion, at 140. Uh, we also saw Andrew Maloney get a bounce back win this weekend over uh, 
in uh, Amber Park over there. Uh, and then uh, good good bounce back for Andrew, who we saw get knocked out in his last fight. Uh, we also say, heard that Canelo is meeting with Al Heyman, uh, supposedly meeting today at some time on his next fight. So this shows you that he didn't have a second, third fight lined up. He's in talks with Al now to see who his next fight would be. I am praying it is not Jaime Magia. I am praying that it is not uh, Crawford. I don't want to see either of those fights, and I think there's only one fight for Canelo on the table next, and it's got to be one of the Davids. David Benavidez absolutely deserves the fight. He is a mandatory. If it is not taken, action has to be taken against Canelo. If he decides to go fight a Jaime Magia, a fight I don't want to see, uh, but it is in his division. That's still bullcrap, in my opinion, because Jaime's not the he's not the mandatory guys, and that's bullshit, man. To keep ducking your mandatory and not be penalized for it, and we're watching guys like uh, you know Crawford getting penalized by the IBF for not fighting his mandatory. We're seeing uh, you know uh, the younger Charlo brother get stripped of his belt at 154 for taking that fight at for not fighting his mandatory. Uh, we watched Devin Haney lose one of his belts for not fighting the mandatory and going up to the 140. So actions being taken against all these guys, man. But Crawford is out or but Canelo's out here doing whatever he wants uh freely and nothing is being done about it man this is why one sanction and body has to happen in boxing some set of rules have to be made mandatories have to be done uh, I mean guys have to fight guys that they're supposed to fight uh when you got a guy at the level of Canelo and he's just out here cherry picking the sport to his liking to pad his resume in my opinion uh and, yeah, you can say he's fighting good guys, but John Ryder's not that good. I'm sorry, B.J. Saunders I wasn't super impressed with. He lost the only good fight that he fought against Baval. Uh, Jamar, the, the Charlo brother had to come up two weight classes to fight him. Uh, and, I, like I said, he wasn't, on, he wasn't on Canelo's level. So he needs to fight a guy that everybody thinks that has a chance of beating him in my opinion, is David Benavidez. And if he beats this guy and proves that, hey, man, you might think this guy's on my level. I'm going to prove to you no one is on my level. Uh, but prove it then, man. Stop ducking and weaving, uh, you know, and avoiding the fights that you know you should take, man, that David Benavidez should be your next fight. I'm hoping to hear by the end of this week that Canelo is going to fight David Benavidez. That would be a great fight for Cinco de Mayo, uh, which I think is sometime uh, maybe September of next year, some shit like that. There's uh, also some kind of holiday they have in May. I'm not 100% sure, but Canelo always tries to fight in May and September. So put him on one of those nights. The Mexican Monster uh, versus Canelo Alvarez would be a hell of a fight. People would tune in everywhere. Everybody would tune in for that. Casuals, real, everybody, man. People that doesn't don't even watch the sport, they'd tune in for that fight. Um, you also seen Billum Smith get, uh, he defeated Masterneck, uh, seventh round stoppage where he had a little bit of trouble in the early rounds, uh, looked like Billum Smith was going to be in a bad situation. He pulled out of that fight, got a nice little win on Sunday against Masterneck in that, uh, I want to say he's in the cruiserweight division. Uh, also this weekend, guys, man, uh, before I announce all the fights coming up, man, I want to talk about Showtime's last scheduled boxing fight. December 16th, it will be David Morrell. Uh He's going to be fighting uh, Sanita Azabuko, uh, Artie Azabuko's nephew. But, uh, ha, 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 sorry. <laughs> that one probably went over your guys' head. 
But anyways, man, that's going to be Showtime's last fight, man. Sucks uh, to see Showtime out of the game, but we have had announcement that PBC will be okay. They're going to be moving over to Amazon Prime, who's a great network with unbelievable amount of subscribers. Uh, they're going to get a lot of attention. They're going to do everything they did on Showtime. They're pretty much going to do on Amazon Prime. Uh, they're going to continue the pay-per-view events. They're going to continue the championship events. They're going to continue the Showbox next-gen events. Uh, they're also going to do the behind-the-scenes and all that kind of stuff that Showtime was doing on their platform. Uh, my only question is, is are they going to bring over the same announcers? Are they going to bring in their new announcers? Uh, that is still up in limbo. I haven't heard much about that. Uh, I'm 50-50 on the Showtime announcer. That scorecard holder that they had had to be one of the biggest dipshits in the world. Uh, I hope they do not bring that guy back. I can't remember his name, but he always had an off-the-wall card, like some fucking amazing bullshit that he would score and always have some guy ahead that shouldn't have been just terrible, man, just terrible. So hopefully we don't get to see that guy. He doesn't come over to Prime because we don't need that crap. Uh, it's too much controversy in boxing. You don't need some idiot uh, putting a scorecard up there. That doesn't make any damn sense. But look, man, we got some really big fights. Let's wrap up this show, man. Uh, let's end my podcast with the uh, upcoming fight schedule coming up this weekend, man. We got, looks like, uh, starts on Thursday, actually, guys. We got a fight Thursday, Friday, and then three fights on Saturday. All three main cards you're going to get on Thursday, December 14th. You're going to get Jose Sanchez versus Walter Santabon, uh, which that will be, I haven't looked at. I'll get back with you guys more on what channel these are going to be on. Uh, the times and all of that, but also on Friday, December 15th, Jake Paul is actually going to fight an actual boxer, guys. Uh, Andre August, I don't know much about August, I just know he's a pro boxer, so I will announce that on here, Jake Paul versus Andre August on December 15th, that is a Friday fight. Uh, then this weekend, of course, man, that's when you're going to get the big, 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 big fight, the fight that I've anticipated since September. I thought it was going to happen on September 16th, so you can imagine I've been waiting for a long time for this fight. Uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez is going to be going up against Sonny Edwards on December 16th. That is going to be the biggest fight of the week. If you are going to watch any of these fights, out of all the fights I name, are you going to watch any fight this whole year in boxing? The the, the freaking Jesse Bam Rodriguez for Sonny Edwards fight is the fight you absolutely have to tune into, guys. That is a, you cannot miss that. If you call yourself even a casual boxing fan or a boxing fan or a true boxing fan, this is a fight you can't miss, guys. I'm telling you it's going to be one of the best out there. And I will be tuned into that 100%. We're also going to get uh, Josh Kelly versus Placito Ramirez on December 16th. Uh, that's going to be a zone fight. And then, of course, Showtime's last fight uh, for December 16th will be David Morrell versus Sina Azabuko. And like I said, man, that sucks for Showtime that their last show is going to be on the same night that the Jesse Bam Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards fight, which is a zone fight also. That's going to happen. I think people are going to be tuned into that fight. And, uh, you know, I don't think David Morrell and... and that last Showtime fight is going to get much attention, man. That sucks. I'm going to try to tune into both of them if I can. Uh, try to figure out what time to ban Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards fight. Usually when those fights are, I think it's overseas. Don't don't quote me on it. I don't know if it's here in the States or it's over in the U.K. But if it's in the U.K., we might get it early and then be able to catch that and the David Morrell fight, which would be nice. But I'd love to get that ban versus, uh, I want that to be a nightcap fight, man. I want to sit down, have my bourbon, baby, and just sit down and enjoy what I think is going to be the best 
fight of the year, guys. So tune in and do not miss that fight with uh, Rodriguez first, Sonny Edwards, guys. Bam. Rodriguez, Sonny Edwards, the fight of the year. Take it here. Who am I taking in that fight? I'll leave that up in the air, and I'll hit on it more on Friday when I do my breakdown of these main cards that I just told you coming up this weekend. I'll do my Friday show on YouTube where I'm going to break down the Bam Rodriguez versus Sonny Edwards fight for you guys. And uh, more boxing news coming along. Hopefully we got an announcement by from Canelo on who his next fight is uh, by that time also, man. But anyways, man, thank you guys for joining me. Once again, man, for another episode of Bourbon and Boxing, I am your host, Jeff, man. Like, subscribe, follow, check me out on Spotify, iHeart, Prime, uh, Amazon Prime. Say, hey, Alexa, play Bourbon and Boxing, and my show, my latest episode should pop up for you guys. But follow me on all those platforms. Subscribe to me on my YouTube channel. Uh, trying to get my subscribers up a little bit. I'm on 34 now. I'd love to get that hiking up even more. Uh Really enjoyed doing this, guys. Uh, like I said, and I thank you, anybody out there listening, following me, giving me some love, man. I really appreciate it, man, and I appreciate anybody tuning in, man. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you for joining me for my Monday recap and reaction, baby. Thank you, guys, and have a great day, man.